Welcome to Aim Higher. This is Skip Pritchard, and this week I'm excited to introduce you to a recent panel session I hosted on the topic of leadership coaching. At some point in your career, you may either want to find some coaching for yourself as a leader, or you may want to assist in finding a coach for your managers or for your entire leadership team. Because we had so much great information from my guests on this important topic, we've broken this session up into two parts. In the first half, we'll go over the basics of what leadership coaching is, how it can help you in your journey, the difference between coaching and mentoring, and how to include your manager in the process. Today on Aim Higher, we are talking about coaching. Specifically, we're talking about leadership or business coaching. Of course, outside of that area, there are tons of coaches we can learn from, coaches from sports, coaches in different fields, coaches from different parts of life. But today, we're really focused on business or executive or leadership coaching. The Center for Creative Leadership says, executive coaching is a learning approach that creates self-awareness, helps drive transformational change, and provides critical challenge and support. And so today, joining me in the studio to talk about coaching on AIM Higher, we have our distinguished panel returning. It's not your first time, is it, Tammy It is Spade? not my first time. No. Tammy Spade. I don't know how distinguished I am, though. You're very distinguished. People, purpose, and place. Yes. So welcome back. Thank you. And Drew Bordas, who once again is wandering the halls around here. So there you are, operations executive Drew Bordas. Welcome back. Happy to be back. I thought we were talking about Georgia Tech athletics coaching. That's why I'm here. Well, we can. Okay. It's, it's, not, it's not a pretty topic. No, it can. I mean, if, if they need a lot of help, this would be the they, opportunity they for us to, to do that. It would be a sad story, yes, actually. It's a sad story. I'd be happy to coach the coach. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Janet Walls, who's the founder of Delta Boulevard Consulting. She's also, uh, in her past lives, been a CFO and a vice president of operations. She's been an adjunct faculty member at Vanderbilt University in Tennessee, Nashville, and also another university, Belmont in Nashville. She's also a board member of the best organization in the world, OCLC. So we Absolutely. are glad to have her. Clearly, she was born and raised in Massachusetts, as you will hear from her. <laughs> not true. Not right? no. true. Not true. So uh, I think uh, welcome from the South to uh, to aim higher. So we're, we're talking about all things consulting, all things leadership, coaching, I should say. And how do you consult with, how do you meet with, how do you coach up somebody who is struggling or somebody who's doing well or an organization or a team? We're going to get into all of those topics today. So let's just start out by defining coaching. What is it? What's your definition of coaching and, and what's the goal of coaching? Who wants to start? Well, I'll start. This is Janet, and I do this every day. So I view coaching as a relational process, first and foremost. I think there has to be a high level of trust between the person being coached and the coach. And that relational process, as it develops, helps the client. And we come alongside the client. I'm a big believer in walking alongside and we help them turn ideas into results and action. So it's very focused on deliverables and taking thoughts and challenges and opportunities and converting those into actionable goals that drive results. 
I like that. Ideas to actions, ideas to results. You don't want to just end with the idea. Sometimes people think that's the end, but it's just the beginning. It's an idea. So that is great. Yeah, I would add, I I think I always think about coaching and I want to see that behavioral change. Absolutely. Whether it's moving somebody from positive to even better or somebody that's kind of struggling and moving them along into a more successful, I think a behavioral change and even self-awareness, which we talk a lot about here, but self-awareness, I think coaching helps you see parts of yourself that you don't know or don't see that can help you. What would you add to that, Tammy? Well, I was just thinking about an early coach I had in my career, and the opening statement in our session was, you're not as good as you think you are. And I remember thinking, oh, this is not going to be enjoyable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it actually turned out to be one of the best coaching relationships, which then turned into a mentoring relationship for years and years. And I think he adopted what you mentioned earlier, which was learning as a first way to approach it, building trust and relationship. It's difficult to take counsel or guidance or even to have a mirror held up if you don't have trust with that individual. But his approach was also maximizing strengths and just continuing to look at what are you good at? What do you love doing? What does your organization need? What does your team need? How are we going to fill those needs? And how are we going to continue to maximize your strengths? I think sometimes coaching focuses maybe too much on what is your weakness and how do we help you get better there, which is also important. But I like focusing on strengths. I do too. I think that focus on strengths is, is a great leadership style. And I'm one that thinks you can never really eliminate your weaknesses. They're always with you. But how do you modify them so that they're not a detractor that's causing kind of fatal errors, if you will? Drew, what would you add to this discussion? I mean, there's a there's a level of experience with good coaches, I think, in a business setting that, that can help somebody because they've been in your shoes before, they've navigated that situation, whether it's something political or just a new a new experience you're gonna have, you're you're managing, you know, six teams for the first time instead of one, or or not being an individual contributor and being a manager that can just give you some guidance and some tips and some, hey, here's a pitfall you might fall into, or here I saw you doing this in this meeting. Uh, here's here's how that could go sideways on you. And I just find that just practical been there and I'm here to help you succeed type of coaching to be so valuable. Yes. And that that's a specific kind of coaching, I think, if they can give you that experiential mm-hmm. uh, thing versus some others are awakening that up within you that you already know it. So it's that whole range. One of the questions I received a while ago, a long while ago, was what is the difference between a coach and a mentor? Mm, that's a good question. So what would you what would you say about that? So I define coaching and mentoring and even try to differentiate between that and counseling or therapy with all of my clients at the beginning of a coaching engagement because I do think they are distinctive disciplines and they're clearly defined by the International Coach Federation, which is the credentialing body for coaches. But coaching is really about moving from today forward. So it's moving from current state to desired state. And in a coaching relationship, the coach is considered the facilitator of learning or, you know, even they create awareness. They're not the expert. The client or the coachee, the person being coached, is the expert. And, you know, the role of the coach is to really ask a lot of good questions and dig deep and explore 
You know, what is the root cause of this challenge? What are they stuck on? And how can they move beyond that? So once again, coaching is about from moving from current state to desired state with the person being coached as the expert. Mentoring, on the other hand, most of us are, you know, have been really fortunate to have mentoring relationships in our professional careers or even in our personal life. And mentoring is is totally different because in a mentoring relationship, the mentor is the teacher and the guide. And then the the mentee is considered to be a protege. And so they would, you know, convey information based on their experience, their past experiences. Um, A mentor doesn't have to be older and more experienced. We have trends around reverse mentoring in corporate America, and it's quite successful. But it is distinct in that, you know, the differentiator there is that in a mentor-mentee relationship or mentor-protege relationship, the mentor is considered to be the expert. And I always loved one of the kind of metaphors that a friend of mine who's a coach uses, and he talks about in a mentoring relationship, we're pushing information or insight, whereas in a coaching relationship, we're really pulling it. Um, as opposed to, you know, pushing. And so I love that push-pull, you know, thought process. And then I always try to ensure that my clients know the difference in coaching and therapy or counseling because there are times when things are more historical with us or possibly even trauma-focused, you know, family of origin-focused that need to be explored more in a therapy or counseling relationship. And I'm all about all of the helping professions, but there is a distinct difference where therapy and counseling tends to focus more on historical challenges that um, that the client might need to Yeah, and I can see that. I, I've seen some situations where the coach is hired to coach and doesn't realize that they're blurring into a line of therapy that that person may or may not be qualified to deal with absolutely, and have things erupt in a session that may or may not be appropriate or ready mm-hmm. for that environment. So I, th- I love that distinction. But I just want to stop on something else because you talked about getting from the current state to the desired state. And in different corporations that I've worked at leading teams, one of the biggest things I notice about coaching and, and bringing in a coach for somebody, and you usually bring somebody in if there's, you know, if you hit an iceberg and there's a problem, is the lack of realization of either the current state or the desired state. So I'm curious for the panel, how do you find that and, and what do you do when you're talking to an employee who just doesn't really understand the current state. What would you say to that, Tammy? Well, I think Janet talked about walking alongside, and sometimes the role of a coach is to help illuminate the blind spots. One way to do that is through assessment, you know, either an assessment that the coach is going to facilitate or some assessment that gives them a 360-degree view of how they're perceived or how their behavior may be helping or hurting, and really defining what will success look like when we are completed or when we're at a certain stage of this coaching assignment. I think those are really key elements. You know, we've used coaches in a lot of different ways in the organizations that I've been in. Sometimes it is a high potential person 
with a derailing factor that they need to have someone else help them with. Sometimes it is, let's prepare them for the next level. Sometimes it's someone who's really at risk of not being able to move forward. And that's a little different kind, I think, of approach. Drew, what would you add since you're always in the desired state and you've never... (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Um, I think it can get blurry when, when you're talking about people's behavior, whereas you said, you know, sometimes we don't know the current state and the future state. Because it could be something where, where you're saying, you know, the future state is you're not a jerk at work anymore, and we're <laughs> going to get a coach to get you there. That's a tough conversation to is have. Is that possible, Janet? Pro- probably not. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. But I can see a manager not wanting to be that direct, not wanting to be that blunt, but that being the actual problem. Then you hope a coach will come in and see all this, and magically this person will transform personalities and all of a sudden get along with everybody again. And you haven't defined actually where we are and what we need to fix. Really good point. I I also wonder, I've seen situations where the manager is hiring a coach to help the employee from current state to desired state. And through the coaching process, it doesn't go as planned. And it actually comes out that the person who needs the coaching is the person who hired the coach. Right, exactly. <laughs> Have you seen this? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. And then what do you do? I'd love to, to get your perspective on that, Janet. What do you do now? And you realize, wait, the person that hired me doesn't realize for somebody else that you're actually the one that needs the coaching. What do you sure. do? So you're saying that the person's boss or manager is the one that, yes. So um, I like to start at the top and actually, you know, bring them into the process as well and just get a sense of how much self-awareness the boss has, the manager has. And also just, you know, one of the things we're constantly assessing in coaching relationships is growth mindset. And how much is that growth mindset, how much does that permeate throughout the culture? And, you know, once again, that starts at the top. So if I'm talking to a leader who has a direct report that is pursuing coaching, I can get a sense of how self-aware they are, how much do they want to grow, And I'm a big believer, once again, in bringing them into the process through, you know, we create a development plan, we review that with the manager and talk about the goals and, you know, talk about alignment, what does success look like. But also, you know, sometimes I will say, you know, I might have to have a come back and have a tough conversation with you. Are you open? Are you going to be open to that and the part that you'll play in this? I'm also a big believer in um, sort of diminishing any chances of triangulation. So I love to empower the person being coached to go back and have conversations with their manager as well and talk about, you know, you don't want to completely divert the responsibility off of the person being coached. I'm a big believer we're coaching the person in the room. So even if their boss does have a challenge, guess what? That person is their boss. And so now we move to coaching around, okay, that may be true, but how can you navigate that? And, uh, you know, we're complicated people with strengths and weaknesses, and no one shows up perfect. 
on any given day, you know, we're all going to show up and you, you know, haven't met true. I haven't met. Yeah. You're no, not the problem. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> she sees an issue. Right yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. You have a special meeting. Coming. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think that's so good personal accountability. And mm-hmm. I like what you're saying is coach the person in the room. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to shift blame or shift the problem or shift it to somebody else. And I think some people enter that coaching relationship, like same as they would in a counselor relationship of my goal is to get the coach to understand it's not my problem, it's their problem. Mm -hmm. And that is not personal accountability. That is not leadership. So I really think that it's important to get that, but coaching the person in the room. And I would say the leadership tip for everybody who's listening, who's probably, you know, not a coach or whatever is lead the person in the room. And help that person be a leader and demonstrate leadership instead of trying to lead things that are outside of that sphere. So that present moment, that present person is the only circumstance that you can impact. So just focus there. There was also something Janet said that made me realize the importance of of a coach who's done this before. For her to say to the manager up front before a session has even started, I may have to come back with some pointed Mm -hmm. questions for you shows, you know, I have done this before. Mm -hmm. I have seen the paths this can take. Mm -hmm. And that, I think as a manager, that would add credibility to the coach too of, oh yeah, okay. This isn't just, you know, this person's problem. I I might, I might be part of this. I really like that too. It shows the experience of the coach may not be the domain expertise experience Mm -hmm. coaching. It may be but but they know the process right they know the process i think that's very true and it's true in in leadership in general that when you've been around and seen a few things it helps you uh, have the confidence and perspective that you wouldn't otherwise have. it also shows investment i love that Mm -hmm. question because it shows investment on the part of the leader or whoever else is in that relationship and if they say well i'm not sure why would you then you know, okay, we have some work to do here to reposition that person and their understanding. Because it's usually not just one individual. Well, before you even start any kind of process, you assess the person, you assess the situation, you're trying to figure out what we're going for. And we often hear a team member and, and somebody says, oh, they are coachable. This person's coachable. So I'd love to just stop and talk about that. What does it look like when someone is coachable? Now that I've been listening to Janet Walls, I would say it's somebody with a growth mindset, Skip, because that's immediately what I thought when she said those words. I was like, oh, that person's coachable. But I think she puts it much more eloquently than I ever would have coming in here cold. So I, I think what, you know, what does coachable mean? I mean, are you willing? Are you invested? Are you listening? Do you care? Um, do you want to get better? And are you mature enough to just realize, you know, of course you have some shortfalls. We all do, right? And can I listen to somebody and take their advice and get better? Yeah, very good. What would you add to that, Tammy? Um, Not a lot. I think willingness is critical. Um, An openness is critical to learning, but then the willingness to be active in the process as well, because there's sort of the the heart head component to use an earlier analogy today. You might understand something or be willing to think about something, but are you willing to do maybe more difficult work to change behavior? Thanks for listening, commenting, and leaving great reviews for Aim Higher. 
There's more to come on this topic, though, in my next podcast for the second half of this panel. We'll cover some advanced topics like coaching for your entire leadership team, how to work with multiple coaches, and what your long-term goals should be when you enter into a leadership coaching relationship. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.